ask those who are veterans if they would stand at this time. If you've served in the military, if you would stand around the room. Thank you so much, guys and gals, and are serving. Let me pray. I want to pray for us. Lord, we, uh, we know that the ultimate price, you paid it. And Lord, we know as it was said on that reading, we can't really understand our freedom and enjoy it until we understand the price that was paid. But Lord, we first thank you for the price and for the freedom. But Lord, we also know that you've put us here on earth that, uh, in a world that people step out and people step up to defend that freedom in so many different ways. And Lord, we want to thank you today for those who have served our country, who have served you in the process. I'm sure, Lord, many times cried out to you in the middle of that. But Lord, we just want to thank you today for those who have also fallen along the way. And we know there's times of the year we remember those specifically. But Lord, we just want to thank you today. And no, no greater love, no greater love has a man than lay down his life for his brother. But we thank you today for that. Lord, we know this. One of the greatest things we can do, though, since we're still breathing, is live for others also. And Lord, I thank you for that, too. Lord, we just appreciate the time we're in and what we celebrate today in so many different ways. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys and gals. You know, this morning is uh, we we'll continue our series in margins. If it's your first time, we uh, here we've started a series last week, and we've been kind of leading up to it over many weeks. And we come to this, or at least for me, I am convinced that the greatest challenge to spiritual transformation is really exhaustion in the world we live in today. It, people are just exhausted. There, there, there is no room. There's no space. Doesn't mean they're not Christians. I'm not saying that. Doesn't mean that. But I'm talking about really transformation. And not only their own lives, but how their lives touch other people. And again, one of the biggest challenges is that most of us in our culture are exhausted. Somehow, some way. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 from the message. I, I love the way this reads it. It says, are you tired? Worn out? Or burned out on religion? It's Jesus speaking. He says, come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. We talked about that last week, how Jesus got away. Even when people needed to be healed, people needed to be touched, Jesus got away. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me. And you will learn to live freely and lightly. As I asked you the question earlier, do you live most of your life with the have-tos? I have to do this, I have to do that, and there's very few I want to, I get to. Now, there's some times you're going to have some have-tos that if you change your thinking, and I'm, this is not just a positive thinking course, I don't want to stick that in your mind today, you can go, I get to go do that. I want to go do that. But one of the biggest challenges we have for most of us is we, we fill our lives with the things I have to do. And there's just not much space for joy, there's not much space for rest, there's not much space for, not only God, there's not much space for others. To build great relationships. So we're challenging this. I used the term last week. Most of us live in the red line. If you're talking about a car, you can bring it all the way up to the red line. And that's good at times to bring the car when you're drag racing. We talked about that last week too when I used to do that on the back roads of Arkansas. You drag race, it's good to get red line because you get the most out of it. But you can't live there. You can't live there. So how do we get out of that? How do we work our, ways, work our way around it? And because our spiritual health... 
as we've talked about for many weeks now, our soul, our body, and our spirit are connected. We, we can't separate them. And our spiritual health has so much to do and such a major influence on our physical health, our emotional health. And the connection between the spirit and the soul and the body is a mysterious connection. I, I can't explain I can't even tell you where they, where, how it all works. But I can tell you, it's, I believe with all my heart, it's real. And when you, and it reminds you from last week, when we say something about a person's soul, you say something about the depth of their being. It's where we have our feelings, our emotions, our deep beliefs, our attitudes. It's where we have our ability to choose. And somehow or another, the soul and the spirit are mysteriously tied together. Without understanding that somehow or another, you cannot neglect one of them. You can't neglect any of the three and think somehow or another, you're going to stay healthy and whole. It's not going to happen. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to guess almost every one of us have faced a big test in school somewhere along the way. And, and if you went to school and, and, and you knew when you went into the test, you were not prepared for it. How many of you have ever done that? You've walked into the class and you go, I am not prepared for this test. Actually, you walked into the class not knowing there was a test. That's the first thing. And then you find out you were not prepared for the test that was coming. But other times, you know this, you've walked into the class knowing the test was coming and you knew for a fact you were not prepared for it. And then there are those times you walk into a class, you've been studying for the test and saying, what are you saying? Bring it on. I want to show you what I've been doing. I want to show you how prepared I've got for this opportunity. I want to show you the work I put in. Give me the test. But what happens is, so many of us go through life, it's not much different than life. There are times in life we know we've been prepared to take on the situation that's in front of us, but then there's times we know we're not. And it brings on great stress. It brings on this anxiety about us. And unfortunately, you know, many times we have the fight or flight syndrome, you know, that's natural to us. There's nothing wrong with that. We're actually wired to have that in us. And I know we all go through seasons, and and Jan and I were talking about, we hope our season's about over on some of this, but we all go through seasons of pressure that that, that we feel and we, we just believe and we keep praying, going, God, you must believe in us or this wouldn't be on our plate. But then there are seasons it becomes very prolonged. And it becomes very unhealthy. And it becomes, when it becomes very unhealthy and very stressful, if you're not careful, you go to other ways besides God to try to figure out how to get out of it, how to relieve that. And some of those can be very destructive. As I said last week, principle of the pathway. We begin to choose a pathway that is not what we say in our mind or come out of our mouth. You know, we say over and over here, we may not always live out what we profess, but we will always live out what we value, that we will always live out the path we've chosen. It will come out of us. We have no choice. And most of us are affected deeply how we handle the stress in life. If it goes unchecked, it works its way into our physical, our emotional, But our strong faith, and that's what I'm hoping, you know, when we got the news a few months ago about Jan, and, you know, I, 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 it, it was, you know, you go, is there a good season to find out news that, that, that your wife has cancer? And I couldn't figure out the season. There's not a good time to hear that. But I also said in the middle of it, God, you must trust us. I don't, you, I'm not saying you, you, you cast it on her. All I know is you, you went before us, John 4. You go before us. The good shepherd, John 10, 4, excuse me. The good shepherd goes before us. You, you, you knew us. You knew what was coming. You believed in us enough. And hopefully we've prepared for that. Hopefully we can work through this. But then there's those times in life, the stress. Stress is such a, we use it probably more today than, than we've ever used the term, I would say, in, in our own personal lives. And I don't want to oversimplify what I'm going to talk to you about today because I realize there's 
other contributing factors. There's chemical imbalances. There's, there's physical and emotional and spiritual things that have not necessarily that I, I can just wrap up here today. And we all have times where we have butterflies in our life. I, I mean, we know that, and I think butterflies are good. I've heard coaches say, if you don't have butterflies before a big game, before a game, you're not ready. If you're not just a little bit nervous, not just a little bit, you know, kind of stirring you a little bit. I mean, there's times of life. Uh, uh, Tori had grand jury uh, uh, summons on Friday. Tori had a lot of stress on her life, okay, because she had to stand in front of, if anybody's ever been to grand jury, in order to get off of it, and I'm not saying you should always get off of it, but there are seasons that just, it's just not going to work. She's a senior this year, and, and, and all the internship, the hours that it takes to do it, two days a week, eight hours a day, that's a lot of time. But you have to stand up in front of almost 70 people, isn't it, Tori? Because I did it in August, and pitch why you don't need to be on the grand jury. You don't know these people. How many has ever done that? Have you, I, mean, I think I brought it up, but you have to pitch it. That's stress. There's those kind of times. We can survive those. There's those times you go through McDonald's drive through and the stress in the car. Especially if you're ordering. How many of you ever just go, could you, how many times have we been to McDonald's? You don't have this memorized by now? What do they have? Are you serious? You really don't know what they have? And then it gets complicated because they want to leave this thing off, add that thing, and stress. And there's the fight or flight. And there's some good things about fight or flight. I mean, we should have fight or flight. I mean, in the olden days, it's really good to have fight or flight. I mean, when a, when a lion or a tiger's chasing you, yeah, you need that. And you don't have a gun to shoot it. You've got to figure out how to get, you know. But there's also that stress of going, I've got to walk 10 miles today somewhere to find food for my family. I've got to walk 15 or 5 miles, whatever, to get water for my family. And I may have to shoot somebody else because they think it's their water hole too. That's stress. But now we just flip the tap. Go to Fry's or Walmart or, 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 or let me make sure I name all of them. Safeway, Albertsons, who else have I got? Whole, whatever. I don't want anybody mad. But the thing is, we're still built with the fight or flight. We're still built with that. that we're wired to understand that, to know how to respond to that. I don't know if you've ever Dear had people things had... happen to you. You're seconds away, moments away from just losing it. A circumstance that doesn't make any sense. Somebody cuts you off. You break the tail light off a trailer that you borrowed from somebody this week. <laughs> you just want to lose it. If you're not careful, you just want to throw stuff, hit something. Maybe that's just me. But you're going, how did I get there? How did I get the point? I'm just ready to lose it. Then you step back and kind of laugh about it. But then there's stress. There's long-term stress. There's just long-term stress that you know that you've got debt and you don't have the money to pay for it. You know there's a long-term stress of a marriage that needs fixing, and you know it, but you don't know how to get the time because you're already spending 80 to 100 hours. And you know if you looked in the mirror and nobody else is looking, you're just looking in the mirror, you're going, I am not prepared. I'm not, and I know it. And it weighs on you. And it stresses you. And it begins to affect not only your emotional, it not only affects your physical, but it affects your spiritual. And you stay in that and you live in it. Here's some signs of being there too long. Some signs that this may be happening to you and you can take these for what they're worth. One of them is I think for people who become living that too long, you become bored very easily. And what I mean by that is you... you you look down the road and all you see is more road. 
You don't see an exit to finally get some space. All you see is more road. And if you're not careful, you begin to get bored with what you're doing. And it sounds simple. Well, boredom is because there's not much happening. No, boredom can be just the opposite, I think. Boredom can be an endless list of things you have to do in order to maintain the either level of life, social life, whatever it is, or maintain an image. There ain't nothing about it you like. It's all have-tos. It's all have-tos. And boredom can be that I have no incentive to do the things that I'm really passionate about. The things that I know God has wired me to do, I can never get to them. I know I can't. And there's nobody even asking me about them. There's nobody giving me opportunities to even think about them. But I want to tell you this. If you commit to renovation, if you commit to being a part of this, I will guarantee you, you are going to get challenged in that area. Now, some of you may leave, and some of you say, well, I need to go somewhere else. I'm telling you, if you're going to be a part of who we are here, you're going to learn how to dream. You're going to learn how to open your mind up and say, God, I want to know what potential you have for me. I don't want to hear what everybody else has. And I don't mind getting wise counsel, and I don't mind getting a lot of help. But God, you love me, you have a plan for me, and I want you to speak into my life. And I think you've given me a mind that is pretty creative. Another thing is, if, if, you're, if you've been in here too long, you become very self-preserving. If you've been under stress too long, you become extremely self-preserving. In other words, you protect your self-interest at all costs. That means you get very self-defensive. If some of you right now are very self-defensive, two things may be happening. One is you're very insecure in who you are, period, or in Christ. But the other one may be is that you've been in the stress way too long. You've been under it way, way too long. You don't want to be exposed. You're in over your head, and you know it. In other words, if you're not careful, you become undisciplined. You no longer stick to the fundamentals. You make really bad decisions because you're under the, under the heat. You know, I, I was uh, watching... I, how, many, how many... Well, I shouldn't ask this, but... Somebody the other day it really disappointed me. I was watching them on a football game, play for one of our, one of the, no, I won't say where it is, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Shocked me. Now, I see it all the time on sports. You see a pitcher, or you see a basketball player, but a lot of football players, and the F-bomb comes out of their mouth. It just, it just, you, if you're watching TV, you don't hear it, but boy, it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out to know what just was said. Somebody I highly respected extremely disciplined, not only in their physical, extremely disciplined in their craft, of what they do on the field, but they made a mistake, and they really did, and it cost their team the game. And on the sidelines, started throwing F-bombs. It shocked me. And you would say he was one of the most disciplined athletes in the world, and i say, no, he's not, apparently. Because under the stress of doing something wrong, some other discipline was not controlled. But under, under that stress, all of a sudden, things come out. Another one is you have very vulnerable to sin. In other words, you like to rationalize God's grace. And I, I don't have any problem with living in God's grace, and we all should. And that's not what I'm talking about here. And believe and walk in it. But I'm going to tell you what happens if you're not careful, if you're under stress. You begin to rationalize going, I deserve this because of all the pressure I'm under right now. Of all the stress I'm under right now, I deserve being able to do this. Whatever this is. If you're not careful, you'll fall back into former habits and to former strongholds. Because somehow you begin to justify living in a way that you should never, you didn't ask God about. <laughs> and you don't know how to get out of, I understand. But here's the last one, and I will talk about more of this next week as far as relationships. And there's a lot more, obviously. I'm just saying the last one I'm going to mention. People become a burden instead of a blessing. Have people become a burden to you instead of a blessing to you? Well, Kurt, you don't know the people I run into. 
All I can tell you is it may be an appointment by God, those people you're running into. If you don't have the margins and you don't have the ability to have the inconveniences in your life, they will become a burden, not a blessing. But that also may include your children. That may include your spouse. That may include those who work with you or work for you or however you work for. They become a burden instead of a blessing. See, we've got to find ways in our lives, and the reason why stress is so critical, we've got to find ways in our life for God to be able to interrupt us, to inconvenience us. And the reality is we'll find out that he didn't really just inconvenience us. It was an appointment. I had an appointment. I didn't know it. I wonder how many of us are flying through divine appointments. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. How many of us are pushing, how many of us are pushing Jesus out of the way to find Jesus? This is good, though, folks. I don't want you to walk out here as a burden. God has a great, awesome plan. It has joy, and it has adventure, and it has purpose, and it has meaning. Instead of just getting up every day and doing the same drill, and there's no way out. Am I living a life more in the have-tos than the want-tos or the get-tos? And like I said, some of your have-tos can really be transformed into I get-to. If we begin to look at it, how God has brought it into our lives. Then there's this pressure. See, I believe we all have an opportunity to live under pressure. It's the stress. Pressure is this. It's looking for opportunities to use the accountability required. In other words, taking that test, man, I am looking forward to that test. I want to get there 10 minutes early. I want to make sure I am primed and ready because I am looking for the opportunity to apply what I am prepared for. Please, please, give me that test. Stress is is when I hadn't prepared for it and I'm still accountable. A friend of mine years ago, talking about tithing, he, he and I talked for, for, for months about tithing and I kept telling him, I said, God's not going to make you tithe, man. Quit, don't worry about it. You, he doesn't need your tithe. You just need to be tithing. He, you know, I'm just telling you, do what you want to do. And he was so stressed out about it. And then the first time he ever wrote a tithe check and then ultimately sold a business and wrote a huge tithe check to the church in Texarkana, he had joy all over. And I'm going, this is not the same dude I sat across from him at the Angus restaurant. This dude here has got joy because he's prepared now. He's prepared his heart, prepared his finances, prepared everything for the opportunity, for the accountability required. Isn't that a different way to approach it? Different way to get up and go? Preparing ourselves. I used to sit in my backyard, not sit, stand, walk, run. In a little backyard in Wicks, Arkansas, rocks all over the place, and my basketball goal, the reason why I could dribble well and everything is because the ball was shooting off all the time. You had to kind of work your way around it. I'd sit out there until the end of my fingers would bleed. My mom would have to make me come in because I would shoot so many times. But one of the things is, I'd always dream about this, and some of you have done this, I'd dream about that moment at the end of the game. We're down by one, two, whatever it is. Usually one because we didn't have threes in my day. That tells you how old I am. Even though I shot from there, they didn't count, they counted two. But man, I made, there's no telling how many games I won in my backyard for the Wicks Warriors. And then for the Arkansas Razorbacks, man, I was awesome. People were jumping all over me. And then the New York Knicks back then, I'm really not a Knicks fan now, but I was then. You know, along the way, not for the Razorbacks and obviously not for the Knicks, but in Wicks, Arkansas, I had the opportunity on several occasions to take the last second shot. Made some, missed some. But I wanted the ball. There's a picture that hangs that will hang in my office when I ever get it hung. It's called wanting the ball. I wanted the ball. But if you were to ask the guy at the end of the bench who he just liked being the manager, and you said, okay, it's ten, three seconds left, five seconds left, we're drawing this play up for you, all of a sudden, there's stress. 
Because he is not prepared for the accountability required. But I had prepared over and over, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, not spiritually, unfortunately, for the accountability that was being required of me, and I look forward to it. Abraham Lincoln says, I'll get ready, then perhaps my chance will come. I think that's pretty awesome. I will get ready, then perhaps, then perhaps my chance will come. And unfortunately, most of us have practiced on things we'll never, you know, we may not ever even use. Some of us have spent thousands of dollars in college practicing things you'll never use in your life. Anybody can say amen to that. Thousands of dollars. How to dissect a frog. For me, calculus. Well, actually, that was a waste of money because I never got that, okay? But we spend thousands of hours, thousands of dollars on things that most of us will never use. But we spend hardly anything on how to build great relationships. We spend hardly anything on how to prepare really for life. We spend hardly anything on how to be married. Or we'll spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. On wedding rehearsal and wedding. But you ask somebody to go to premarital counseling. They're going, oh, I don't really have time for that. Really? You have time to prepare and be stressed and spend the money for 30 minutes. But you don't have time to spend the next 50 years? Excuse me? I mean, wonder why the divorce rate is so high? What about having children? Thousands of dollars to get them landed here. Thousands of dollars to get them. I think it's three hundred something thousand dollars per child to raise them. On average, three hundred something thousand dollars per child. I had four, so you figure that out. And three of them are girls, and you got even bigger issues. Uh, issues with them, but the expense part of it. Yeah, I went to Lamaze class. Taught me how to get them here. And then I get into the delivery room. They go, could you please get out of the way? I've, what I figured out after four children is just don't say anything stupid. That's what I figured out. When you're in that delivery room, just don't do anything stupid that you get hit for. Just don't do anything stupid. But otherwise, they kind of move you out of the way. But nobody taught me how to raise them for the next 22 years and beyond. I didn't go to a class. I didn't spend any money. The things we spend that are most precious to us and the things we spend our most time on most of us are not prepared for it. And ultimately, talk about eternal destiny. Is there more to this thing than just getting up in the morning, we check in, dust, you know, dust we form and dust we return? Is that, is that it? That all happens? Is that, is that the, the scope of it? I'll tell you this, you know, most of you know my story. December 13th, 1986, at 27 years old, man, God blew up my life and changed me in dramatic way. But I'll tell you this, I walk through life now not stressed out about my testimony. I'm looking for somebody. I look for opportunities to share what God has done for my life. And I'm not talking about guerrilla warfare, you know, turn or burn. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting a chance to share what God has stirred in me and what God has done in me. And I look for opportunities that window. And it does not stress me out. I would rather be able to give an answer for the hope that is within me. I want to be able to have the... That fragrance and aroma of my life. I hope there's pressure on me. Pressure's good because I'm being able to live out what the accountability is required of me. And it's pretty awesome.
For many of you, and I even prayed it earlier, you know, for many of us, when we talk about our eternal destiny and we talk about our, 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 our challenges, you know, most of the decisions, uh, somebody asked me one time, he said, well, what's the biggest frustration in ministry that you've had? And I have it with my own life, too, so I'm not pointing this at you guys. I've got to be sure I keep it in front of myself, too. The question, I usually make decisions even in my spiritual realm of what's best for me and my family. And the reality is I really need to be asking what's best for the kingdom and whatever's best for the kingdom is really best for me and my family. What really advances the kingdom down the field? What really moves the, 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 for, the, for the kingdom? If I can figure that out, if I can really come in on that, then I know for a fact, I'm convinced that I will have what's best for me and for my family. But it's a challenge. Because God wants to stretch you. You see us use the ladder. I don't have it here today, but the ladder illustration we use. God's going to stretch you. He's going to put pressure on you. But he's going to prepare you. As we read in, in Matthew 11, he is not going to give you something he's not going to prepare you for. He's going to prepare you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he actually needs you. He wants you in this plan. We talk about here on Sunday mornings. We need you here. Most people, again, look at Sunday mornings or whatever we do here, is how does it benefit me? And I just ask, if you start looking, how does it benefit the kingdom for me to be here? And then out of that, I get the best. Out of that, my family gets the best. Because I look at it, if God's going to do in my life over the next 10 years what he's done in the last 10 years... I can't wait to get there. I'm not hurrying in. I don't want to hurry. I, I, I'm just saying, guys, you start living, stepping into it. It is unbelievable. But in there, included in there, is figuring out how to slow down. Man alive. It's figuring out how to slow down. Because one of the biggest enemies of the soul as God's changing and God's transforming you, is that we don't slow down long enough to really hear God. When was the last time you just took a deep breath to turn off the cell phone, the text message, the gadgets? That's so often still the solitude, not only for you, but others around you. I mean, many of us, and I've done this for so long, my, my version of solitude and rest is vegging in front of the TV. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with not sitting in front. I'm, not, I'm just saying, but if that's your only solitude. As many of us need to realize the addiction we have to noise, the addiction we have to gadgets, then I should have no other gods before me. The TV, the radio, or the... How many of you have that little deal to notify you that you're, you got a text message? Yeah, Allie does. It drives me crazy. I don't want to hear that. But sometimes I think we get that little notification and go, somebody wants me. I'm needed in the world. Because we said last week, one of the greatest fears people have is not being wanted or not being included. But that fear steals our margins. That fear steals our space. And I'm really convinced of this. Breathing is important. It's very underrated. Because they have us breathe immediately when we're born. And when you stop breathing, you did. It's over. It's pretty important. But the same word for breath is the same word for spirit. The same word for wind, the pneuma. And what margins do for us as we begin to track down this 
road is we, if we will figure out, and then we'll get more into this at a different time, and I don't want to get too far off on this. One of the things we've got to learn to do is if you know where you're headed and you have purpose and direction and we're going to push you to that, as you well know, I say push you, we're going to journey with you in finding that for your life. It's easier to say no to things if you know where you're headed. But if you don't know where you're headed, you say yes to a lot of things that you should never have said yes to. And so we want to help you begin to figure that out as a couple, as a family, as individuals. We're going to do that. I'm going to help you do that. But margins then allow us to breathe in and to breathe out. And the word, again, for spirit, as we talk about body, soul, spirit, is pneuma, or breath. It's in our spirit that we have meaning and purpose in life. It's at our deepest level, our spirit gives us that and enables us to love others and to love God and love ourselves. I think it's through our spirit that we have communion with God and fellowship with God. And if we don't know how to get there, if we don't know how to slow down and rest in that, because we come from the dust. Return to the dust. We're fragile. Psalmist says each person's life is but a breath, even though we seem secure. I think it's James 3. Is it James? It was, you know, your life is but a mist. Here today, going tomorrow. It's but a breath. It's fragile. If you've ever walked down the halls of a hospital, if you've ever driven by a, a, a car accident, you mean, if you've ever been to funerals as many as I've been to or done, led or been to, you realize life is pretty fragile. But to breathe. You see, well, resting and breathing seems like a waste of time. But you say, what will it cost me, Kurt, to begin to breathe? What is it costing you not to? What's it going to cost me to begin to take time with God? What's it going to cost me to begin to peel off all these other things so I'll have space for others and for God? What is it co- what, what's it costing me if you don't do it? I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be willing to, to say this. It's costing you more not to do it than what it will cost you to do it. No, it's going to cost you way more not to do it. What I think is so awesome, though, as fragile and as dust to dust we are. We were breathed into by the creator of the universe. He breathed into us life. Divine breath. God breath. I don't know if you know this. People breathe 16 to 20 times a minute from our chest. Approximately 23,000 times a day. And of course, as you know, that over time we've talked about breathing and solitude. The Christians have talked about it for years, and other religions do too. Obviously, there's, there's a lot that, that talk about meditation and things of that nature. But people have understood for ages that breathing is critical to all this. We breathe 150 bathtubs full of air every day. 99% of our energy comes through breathing. We use about 10 to 20% of the potential we have. Our body waste, for many of us to stay healthy, we get rid of, we, have, we need to get rid of waste. We eliminate. I think it is. I'm trying to look at it and make sure all this. 11% through the toilet. Okay, nice way to say that. 19% through perspiration. But 70% of our, our, our waste is eliminated through breathing. But we're designed to breathe maybe 8 to 10 times from our belly. But we breathe mostly from our chest. You say, well, that's, it's significant. study says the average person can only stand about 15 seconds of silence.
Man, if we're going to go where we believe God's taking us to, we've got to get this right, guys. I don't know what right is, but we've got we to embrace this because it's, it's where you find not only God in a way that's so unique to you, but it may be where you find you, the real you that you've been hiding, you've been covering up, and God goes, it's all right. We're going to begin to walk this together. You know, we like to say, many of us, is almost a badge of honor. I didn't stop all day to catch my breath. And you know, when you're the busiest person around and people go, well, I didn't want to bother you because you're too busy. I hate that. I hate that when people say that to me. That's not who I want to be. I don't want people to look at my life and go, well, you're so busy, I can't. Wait, I don't want that. too much at stake to neglect this. You know, if your body had an emergency, you'd go find a doctor. Some of you are in emergency stage right now. And the Spirit of God connects with our spirit and res- can reside in us and live in us. The pneuma, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The hope of glory, the Word says. In you, as an ambassador to the world around you. The Scripture talks about it being that sanctifying grace. You know, we talked about it last week. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus. And the word sanctify, the Nazarene, as you know, many of you know, the Nazarene church, really kind of our banner, means to purge. It means to clear out. I don't know if that doctrine of sanctification has more appropriate time than today. It's always been appropriate, but today in our culture, a purging, it's more than just a a sin. It's stuff. (laughs) And what it essentially means is you, you let God in. When you breathe. And what happens is when you begin to breathe, you begin to look at things that you need to leave behind. They need to be left behind. To let go of. And if you're totally honest today, what's inside of you? That needs to be breathed out. What are you angry about? What are you concerned for? What are you anxious for? What's bothering you right now? What's filling up your head space? What's stressing you? The Word says that the Spirit of God guides us into all truth. Some of you need to breathe out anger, lust, hate. Some of you need to breathe in courage, and honesty, and healing. How do you do it? A reporter once asked the great evangelist D.L. Moody which people gave him the most trouble. He answered immediately, I've had more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man alive. He said, if I had to kick in the seat of the pants the person who gives me the most trouble, I couldn't sit down for a week. I think we've got to come to the point we've got to take inventory and just go, where am I in this whole thing? Where am I? We need to turn it over to God. We've got to depend on this divine capability he's given us to turn it over to him. 
Because I believe stressed out, desperate people do one of two things. Either they make rash decisions that eventually they eventually regret. They make decisions that are horrible for them and those connected. Or they turn to God and say, I'm at my end. I'm done. I'm done. Another question I would even ask you, are you living out what you want to multiply? Are you living out right now what you want to multiply? Are you living in front of your kids the kind of, for instance, if you've got a daughter, are you living in front of your daughter the kind of man that she, you hope she marries? There's an accountability to that. And what radical steps are you going to take to begin to get out of it? And I say radical because if it was something small, you would have already done it probably. You'd have probably already done it. But you'll pay a price. There's a price either way. But I would just encourage you, God loves you. He has a great plan for you. He wants to spend time with you. We've got to find the space. And that's Josiah and him to come and close this morning. You know, I think for most of us, you know, we don't grow up as a kid. You know, I grew up as a kid thinking I want to play for the Razorbacks and the Knicks, and then maybe come back and be a basketball coach at Wicks, Arkansas. That was my dream. I had all these plans. But you know what were not my plans? I just didn't dream of this. I never dreamed of growing up and being the most faithful employer, any employee anybody would ever have. I never grew up thinking... My dream is to be the greatest husband anybody could ever have. I never dreamed that I would grow up that I would grow up someday and my dream was, boy, I hope I'm the best dad for the kids, my children. I just didn't grow up that way, and I'm gonna guess most of us in here that was not our dream. I just want to encourage you today. If the Lord's stirring in you, that's an awesome place to be. Because you're hearing Him. For some of you, maybe for the first time, you're beginning to, to sense something. It's not no woo voodoo kind of thing. It's Scott, there's something actually literally touching your spirit that is a part of you. It is your body and your soul and your spirit is being awakened. Because God's Holy Spirit is beginning to speak in a way you've never heard before. You didn't even know existed. And I just want to encourage you as we begin to work this process out over the next many weeks. And for the future renovation. It is to help you learn how to dream. It is to help you learn how to have purpose in life. Maybe you've already got that, but for those who don't, we want to give you tools. That's rewind why we believe we were put here. But we got to have space. Just sign in. We're going to lead a song here. We'll close and I'll come back and pray. But the solitude. You know what, Josiah? Let's don't even do a song. I'm just going to go quiet here for a minute. Before I pray, let's, we're just going to not talk.
Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Well, we thank you for this space. Lord, it is radical steps for many of us. Because if it was easy, we'd already done it. We'd already made the changes. We would have, or most of us would, because we want to be. Lord, I pray that you'll allow us to take inventory. And breathe. And just breathe. Lord, I know we're in a transition time as a church, Lord, and I pray that you would just help us. We believe this is to advance the kingdom at this point. We really do. And this time of becoming teammates, if you will. Pray over these next few weeks that, Lord, you will, your direction and blessing and encouragement will be over all the things we're doing there. For next Saturday night, Lord, just the time of singing, and but other things, Lord, reflecting, it just will be a great time together as a family. Lord, I pray that you just give us a great time of getting to know some folks today at the picnic. Thank you for the food that we will eat, but most of all, the food is a small thing, insignificant, and the time just to sit and know others. Some space. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the chance today, Lord. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.